everybody. I'm Steve Conover. Thanks for joining us. This is the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. With me in studio is Chris Katolka. Chris, tell us about what we'll hear on the program today. Yeah, we have a really exciting lineup. First, you know, it's Rosh Hashanah uh, starts this weekend, and so we're going to look at the biblical significance of Rosh Hashanah, and we're also going to see how it applies to our lives as Christians today. And then also, we're going to be speaking with Executive Director Shmuel Bowman. He's the Executive Director of Operation Life Shield. Uh, and I want you to hear about how he is saving Israeli lives over in Israel. So you want to be sure to stick around for that. And then, of course, apples of gold. Chris, recently, Benjamin Netanyahu spoke at the UN General Assembly. I know he spoke about peace and partnership with the Arab world. What's your take on what Bibi had to say? Yeah, Israeli Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu did speak at the UN General Assembly in New York recently, and he and he really encouraged the Arab countries to forego that old battle with Israel and to embrace an attitude of peaceful partnership like many of the nations of the world have already done. Uh, he also promised Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas a platform at the Knesset to speak directly to Israelis. And then he went one step further and pledged to remain commit, committed to the uh, two-state solution. President Abbas also spoke to the General Assembly, and he demanded that the UK, the United Kingdom, apologize to the Palestinians for the century-old Balfour Declaration, which promised the Jewish people a homeland in Israel. This is just amazing to me that in order to gather sympathy from the UN, he's demanding a 100-year-old declaration uh, 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 to be torn up, practically, and then also to ask the uh, United citizens of the United Kingdom to apologize for it. We'll have to look more into that. But while the Palestinians have been stuck in the past, let me tell you, Israel is looking forward to the future and remains invested in establishing a peaceful relationship with the Palestinians and the neighboring Arab countries. Thanks, Chris. Great insights and a reminder for all of us, really, to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I want to mention with Rosh Hashanah this week and Chris's upcoming message, we want to offer you a book that will help you understand all the Jewish festivals. It's called The Feast of Israel by Bruce Scott. So stick around to find out how you can order your copy. So I'd like to wish our Jewish friends all around the world a happy, healthy new year. This Sunday evening, October 2nd, 2016, marks the beginning of the Jewish festival of Rosh Hashanah which in Hebrew means the Jewish New Year. Rosh Hashanah will mark the Jewish year of 5,777. That's right, my friends, 5,777. And for many of my Orthodox Jewish friends, the year marks how long it's been since the creation of the world. And, you know, I've always felt bad for the Jewish community when it comes to dealing with calendars. You know, they have three different calendars they have to work with. And I know what it's like to have tons of calendars. Our family has work calendars and family calendars and kiddo calendars. We have got it all going on. And right now my head is just spinning, thinking about all the different events and such. You know, the Jewish community has three calendars too. They have the civil calendar. That's the one that we're looking at here that begins with Rosh Hashanah, the new year. And then there's the Jewish festival calendar, which begins with Passover in the spring. And finally, all business is done today on the Gregorian calendar, the, the one we use today, 2016. So just think about that. Three different calendars, the civil calendar, uh, the religious calendar, and then finally the calendar everybody else uses as well. Now, Rosh Hashanah's origins in the Bible are not actually connected to a new year. 
Its origins are actually found in Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25, with an event called the Feast of Trumpets. Now, I want you to listen to what the Lord says to Moses in Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. Tell the Israelites, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a complete rest, a memorial announced by a loud horn blast, a holy assembly, and you must not do any regular work, but you must present a gift to the Lord. You know, this was an appointed time of the year for the Israelites to hear the blast of the shofar and to remember the faithfulness of God. You heard it. It was a memorial. It was to remember the faithfulness of God and all that he had done for the nation of Israel and also Israelites individually. And the shofar, which you actually subtly hear at the opening of our program, was an ancient way of getting Israelites' attention. And today, you know, we have ways of getting people's attention. We have sirens. You know, I lived in Texas for a little bit. Sirens warn us that tornadoes are coming. Uh, Or we have sirens on top of cop cars and ambulances that either tell us to get out of the way, move over, or to pull over. Sirens go off to excite us that, you know, our hockey or soccer team just scored a goal. And even sirens go off in Israel today, in modern Israel, that uh, rockets are being fired from the Gaza from their enemies. So take cover. It warns people. It's a call to attention. The ancient shofar was a way to get the Israelites' attention. It was blown to prepare the people for battle or to announce the amazing Jubilee year and even the new month. And for our message today, it was blown on Rosh Hashanah. The sound of the shofar on the Feast of Trumpets was blown to wake up the Israelites, to pull them out of the mundane things of life, and to focus their attention on the faithfulness of God. And it was a call to action to focus on God's character and his goodness. And yet, sadly, what we see throughout the Old Testament is that the Israelites seem to have forgotten all that the Lord did for them. Oftentimes, in fact, too often, in the Old Testament, the Lord would say to his people, don't you remember me? You forgot me. I'm the Lord your God who remained faithful to you. I was the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I was the one that removed you from the burden of slavery. All too often, the Israelites forgot God, even though, think about this, even though they heard that shofar blast, that trumpet sound every year, they still forgot. Now, before we go and judge Israel and wave our judgmental finger at them for their lack of respect for remembering what the Lord has done, even though they heard that shofar blast every year, let's pause and remember that we also have the capacity to forget God. You know, I always like to say, Israel's story is my story. Israel's story is my story. Sometimes I can find myself walking the same path Israel walked in the Old Testament. And sometimes in our lives, even we as Christians have the ability to ignore the many ways the Lord tries to get our attention. It's not a shofar blast today, but maybe he sends believers into our lives to try to wake us up to his faithfulness. Or maybe other times it's an event that happened that should shake us from our normal routines and make us remember the Lord's goodness. You know, sometimes we just don't respond to even the loudest call to action from the Lord. And, you know, I can remember being in college, and every so often we would have these fire drills in the dorms. 
And one of my roommates got so apathetic to participating uh, in, in the fire drills, these fire drills that were designed to save his life in case of an emergency, that he wouldn't even bother to get up and move when he would hear the alarm go off. And so what my old roommate did by ignoring the fire alarm during a drill, this could seriously have threatened his life if it was a real emergency. And, you know, as believers, I don't think we should do what my old roommate did. Instead, we should always be ready to respond to those moments that the Lord is trying to get our attention. We must respond And when we respond, we give thanks to him. We praise his name and we remember his faithfulness to us. We shouldn't just sit by and tell ourselves, I'll remember him next time or I'll respond to those loud trumpet blasts the Lord is giving to me later. Take that brief moment out of your day to stop and to remember the Lord our God and all that he has done for us through his son. Let let me tell you two things that I think you could do to always respond to those moments of God's faithfulness. First is this, stay in God's word. You know, God's word is like a constant shofar blast right in the face that's just sounding out God's goodness and mercy in our lives all the time. God's word always challenges us to look retrospectively at our life and to look at the world differently. And if you're not spending time in God's word, then you're missing the best opportunity to be reminded of all that God has done in your life. And the second is this, folks, take inventory of your life to see where you were and where you're in Christ now. Not everyone is going to be in the same place. You know, some of you might be feeling very blessed by God right now. And others of you may feel like you're lost in the wilderness, struggling from day to day. And no matter where you are, you must take inventory so that you can watch God work in your life as you remember his faithfulness. And for those of you feeling blessed, look back and thank God for his goodness in your life. And for those of you who are saying, Chris, you know, I'm really feeling lost in the wilderness here. Just remember the faithfulness of God carried those Israelites in the midst of their desert experience, in the midst of their wilderness. And God is ministering to you even now. And when we take that inventory, it gives us the ability to, in the future, look back and respond to his faithfulness. And when we respond to those calls that he's giving to us, those moments when God is trying to get our attention, when we respond and give him praise for his faithfulness, friends, we will have a better perspective on how the Lord is working in and through us, no matter where you are in life. So be sure this weekend to wish your Jewish friends a happy and healthy new year and let them know just how faithful our God and the Lord Jesus have been to you. Folks, I want to introduce you to an important book, The Feast of Israel, Shadows of the Messiah by Bruce Scott. You know, context is everything, especially when you study the Bible. And it's always good to remember the Bible is a Jewish book with Jewish writers writing from a Jewish worldview. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, and he didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. He celebrated the Jewish festivals like Passover, Hanukkah, and Purim. 
Jesus' ministry, the cross, his resurrection, second coming, and future reign as king and lord are not only in the New Testament, they are also hidden within the Jewish holidays and feasts of the Old Testament. That's why the book, The Feast of Israel, Shadows of the Messiah, will help you know the fullness of Jesus' ministry through the biblical feasts of Israel. Order your copy today at foiradio.org or call our toll-free number 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. I am joined with Shmuel Bowman. Uh, Shmuel is the executive director of Operation Life Shield, and I'm going to let him speak a little more about that. But Shmuel, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us on the Friends of Israel today. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. You just finished up speaking for the Friends of Israel at our National Prophecy Conference here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you've been speaking about uh, the mission that God has put you on, the mission of Operation Life Shield. Can you talk a little bit about what Operation Life Shield is and what it does in Israel? Sure. Operation Life Shield is first and foremost a response. It's a response from the time of the second Lebanon War 10 years ago when thousands of rockets uh, were, were, were fired uh, by Hezbollah into northern Israel, displacing 300,000 Israelis. And at that point in time, uh, my friends and I uh, responded. Um, and this is something which really God placed on our hearts. How do, what do we do about this? What do we do? And so we went to the Israeli army, to the home front command, and we said, how can we help? And they said, we need in Israel above ground accessible shelters that people that you and I may be having a cup of coffee. The siren goes off. We leave our coffee on the table. We're running at the track. We're taking our kids to daycare, whatever it is. We stop what we're doing. We run to a safe space, easy to get to. We let 10 minutes pass by till the danger is gone. Return to our lives. And this is how we can live as normal a life as possible in an abnormal situation. And uh, that's what we aimed to try to do 10 years ago. And thanks to uh, the grace of God, we've been successful. Now, just to kind of clarify for our listeners, uh, Shmuel, you live in Israel. And this whole concept of Operation Life Shield, how did this come about? Right. So we found that... uh, uh, the people were not using the traditional below-ground shelters. You have to remember that something like 50% of Israelis, and I would venture to guess in any society, have some accessibility issue, whether it has to do with a disability, uh, not being able to go downstairs, whether it's an elderly person. 50% of the population, they're not going underground. Well, I'm sorry, it's not good enough for us. We want to make sure that every single person has access to an above-ground shelter that's located within easy reach from a public location that they can get to. Um, and you have to, the other thing that is, is that we want to make sure that even during peaceful times, that they know that the shelter is there, which gives them comfort and allows them to go on and proceed with their day. You know, I think in American, as Americans, we don't really, and even Canadians, we don't really gather the idea of what it means to have to be in a shelter. You know, when we see shelters for the first time, if you've ever gone to Israel, you see shelters and it's kind of one of those, a reality check to what the real situation is in Israel. But for Israelis, uh, a bomb shelter is a, I mean, it's built with homes. It's built, it's like a, it's an, it's not even an add-on. It's a part of a structure because of the realities of what's happening in Israel. Can you speak a little bit about those realities and why your bomb shelters are so important? 
Sure. Well, yeah, it's actually part of the uh, building code, actually, for uh, for private homes and apartments to actually have a um, a protected room. Um, but what do you do in terms of public spaces? That becomes the bigger question. You can't live in your home all the time. You got to go out. You got to go shopping. You got to go to work. You got to take your kids to school, right? And it's in those public spaces where there's the lack. And so um, we want to make sure that 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 you know, if you're an Israeli and you're in oh I don't know a city like Sterot, right, in southern Israel. One of the things you're going to do as you as you get to stay out is you're going to look around and you're going to either consciously or unconsciously uh, take an inventory. Where are the shelters near me? Where would I run to right now if the siren went off right now? Where would I go? And 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 once you've registered that, okay, now I can now I can get off my day. Now I can walk from here to there, knowing that if there's a siren, there's my nearest shelter. Oh, now I've walked another X number of feet. Where's my nearest shelter now? And you know what? That may just be the deciding point if I'm going to go into that store and go shopping. That may be the deciding point if I'm going to sit down on that park bench. Because I'm not going to sit down on that park bench unless I can see that there's a shelter nearby. That's part of the reality of living in Israel. I need to, very important to understand, it doesn't make us victims. And we're not living in a state of fear. We're living in a state of readiness. Mm-hmm. That's a real great way of putting it. Now, just to kind of clarify for our listeners, this isn't something that's being done by the government. This is you. This is an organization that is raising funds to build these bomb shelters. Can you speak a little bit uh, to our audience about how they can get involved with Operation Life Shield to give funds to help continue to save the lives of Israelis in Israel? Sure. Well, actually, you know, in Israel, we we actually believe that not everything has to be done by the government mm-hmm. um, and that there is a concept that that, hey, regular citizens can actually be involved in helping fellow citizens. It's still a value that does exist in the world. Um, and and so therefore, we've actually stepped in and said to the government, we're going to handle this. You've got other priorities. How many priority ones can a, can, a, can a country have? Israel's got like way too many. And this is one we just wanted to lift that burden. And we lift that burden by having friends all over the world helping and support our work. They're partners with us. All you got to do is go to our website, operationlifeshield.org, and uh, get more information. And if you'd like to make a, a donation, go to Friends of Israel, because we do work in partnership with Friends of Israel, and that's really a great way to do it. So then it becomes a testimony from Friends of Israel to the people of Israel, hey, we're here, we're standing with you, we love you, and we're here to help protect you and save your life. Friends, I want to encourage you to go to Operation Life Shield's website, operationlifeshield.org. And then also, don't forget, as Shmuel was saying, to be sure to go to foi.org. And there you can find our Israel Relief Fund. That's where we give money to support Shmuel and the work that he's doing in building bomb shelters. In fact, uh, we learned tonight that we have 12 Friends of Israel now, right? 12 coming along the way, 12 uh, bomb shelters in Israel that have been supported by the Friends of Israel. That's you out there listening. So thank you very much. The Israel Relief Fund. Shmuel, thanks for being on the program. Oh, it's really, really an honor to be here. I love coming and, and visiting with my, with my dear friends here and bringing back your message to the people of Israel that they are not alone. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. I recently visited a synagogue 
where many men were studying the Talmud and other books of commentary. They were friendly until I asked them, Why do you come here day after day and spend your time with nothing but vanity? Then they became suspicious, and one of them said, I have been here studying for three long years. I come here to purify my soul. I replied, Take a good look at yourself in the mirror and tell me if you truly think you have purified your soul. He looked at me strangely and said, I was a fighter pilot, but now I am like a bird with no wings. I have come here to repent. Most of the others here have the same background. They were good fighters, but now they are weak before God. You are all making a great mistake, I told him. Why? he asked. Because you are like helpless sheep who have gone astray, following false teachers, I replied. You are always looking to see who has the longest beard or who are the longest curls because you think he is the most righteous. Your pious outward appearance is like a costume children wear on Purim. Open your eyes. See how far you have fallen. Your only hope is to turn to God in the way he desires. They seem to be listening intently. And then the chief rabbi of the synagogue came into the room and he too listened carefully. Finally, he said, I'm the chief rabbi here. Feel free to come often. I replied, my place is not among those who are committing spiritual suicide. There is no life here. It is like an open grave. The people are spending their lives in emptiness and vanity. The rabbi listened and then he asked, from which books have you taken these stories? I replied, it is written in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. The rabbi took my Bible and he examined it. When he realized it contained both the Old and New Testaments, he said, This is not surprising. As soon as I heard you speak, I knew you were one of those who believed in that man. You're one of those whom I do not like. But because you had the great courage to come here, I must admit I respect you. I challenge you to show me from our Hebrew scriptures only where I have gone astray. Can you do that? I told him, God has made the truth about him plain for us in Isaiah 53, a well-known passage among Jews around the world, and you cannot deny it. You say you are waiting for Messiah, but you are looking to the wrong people, such as the rabbi from New York, who is now dead. I was surprised that after a long discussion, they were still very friendly. Even the rabbi said, because you have been so open and seem so sure of your beliefs, I would be happy to have you come back for a longer discussion. You are welcome anytime. This was a real fulfillment of the Lord's words in Luke 10:3. I send you out as lambs among wolves. These people need our prayers. And so do I, as I plan to visit them again soon.
Thank you so much for being with us today. Next week, we want to look at who the Gospels were written to. Each Gospel was written for a different audience, and next week, we'll begin with the Gospel of Matthew. Don't forget to order your copy of The Feasts of Israel by Bruce Scott. Call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or the simplest way is to visit us on the web at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. I'd like to thank our associate producer and engineer, Tom Gallione, Jeremy Strong, who composed and performed our theme music, and of course, Mike Kellogg, who read Apples of Gold. If you would prayerfully consider supporting the ministries of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, you can find a donate link on our website to learn more about all the ways you can support us. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Mm